If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Hey everyone, Dylan here. If you've spent time noodling on Atlas Obscura, you'll notice that we have some themes. Uh, One thing we tend to love is giant stuff. Anything that fits under the category of world's largest blank. We also love huge, weird rock formations and enormous sculptures out in the middle of the desert, huge monuments. But there's one kind of story about big things, about huge buildings and structures that we like maybe the most. It's when those giant things have to move, like literally be taken somewhere new on their own crazy journey, things that really seem like they should not be able to be moved. So that is what we are bringing you today. Two stories from our Places editors, Jonathan Carey and Michelle Cassidy, about moving the impossible, moving something that was never, ever meant to be moved. (laughs) Uh, And so we are going to tell you about how they were taken from country to country and from imminent doom to safety. So with that in mind, take it away, Jonathan. I spent a few years living in the mountain ranges of Shenandoah. I was always fascinated by the wide low trucks that roamed the region's two-lane highways. I mean, some of these trucks carried military or construction equipment, but every so often, I would spot a truck moving an entire house. And that, like, always blew my mind. Moving a whole house on the back of a truck, especially down these very, very small highways. Well, recently, an Atlas Obscura entry landed in my inbox that puts those wide load trucks to shame. It was the story of an entire church that was built in Paris, and then the entire thing moved to Athens, Greece. And the whole story begins with an assassination attempt. Back in 1898, the king of Greece was a guy named King George I. And during his first few years as a king, this dude was pretty popular. I mean, Greece expanded its territories and the economy was doing extremely well. But then the Greco-Turkish War broke out in 1897. And it was clear that King George just wasn't prepared for this war. And his popularity, well, it took a nosedive. 
In fact, while riding in an open carriage heading home from the beach with his daughter, Princess Maria, two gunmen opened fire on the carriage. Legend has it that George threw himself over his daughter, saving her from the gunfire. This story of this brave and selfless act spread, and suddenly, George was a national hero. The mayor of Athens wanted to honor the king with a church to be built at the location of the assassination attempt. It just so happened that the 1900 Paris Exposition was coming up. This was to be a very, very grandiose world fair. This is where the first Ferris wheel was showcased, and something called talking films made their first debut. For the Japanese pavilion, a massive pagoda was erected. And for their pavilion, Switzerland, well, they created an entire Swiss Alpine village just for the event. I mean, so needless to say, Greece had to bring their A-game. The centerpiece of the Greek pavilion would be a massive, full-scale Byzantine church. The frame of the church was made of wrought iron and the walls are composed of pink bricks. The dome was created using timber and was covered in red, beautiful clay tiles. Sadly, after the event, most of these architectural wonders were destroyed. However, a few survived. The Peruvian pavilion was taken to Lima and is now the center for the study of military history. And the Byzantine church, well, it had a home waiting in Greece. Rather than build a new church to honor King George, the mayor of Athens arranged to have the entire church shipped back from Paris to Athens. The more than 4,000 square foot, 150 ton church was disassembled brick by brick. A ceremonial foundation stone was laid down first, engraved that the church was built to honor the miraculous rescue of King George and his daughter. And on that foundation, the church was rebuilt, and it stands today as the Church of Agio Solstice. And I want to give a big thanks to Gus. He's a loyal contributor who submitted this entry, and it really took me on a trip down memory lane and this historical journey of this amazing feat of architecture. So sometimes that's the obvious thing. Take the building apart brick by brick and rebuild the whole church or castle or whatever in the new place. That is one way to move an enormous building. But it is not the only way. Sometimes you can't take the thing apart. And this next monument, it took a much more creative uh, approach to being moved when it was transported from the coastal sea to the sandy dunes in Denmark. Take it away, Michelle. A lighthouse on roller skates. Hold that image in your mind for just a second. A lighthouse on roller skates? I know it sounds like I'm about to tell you about a kid's book or a weird dream that I had last night, but this is actually something that happened in real life just a few years ago. The lighthouse in question stands on a peninsula in Denmark. It's called Rubjerg Nuda, a tall, square tower with a bright red lantern perched on top. 
classic lighthouse stuff. When its beacon was first lit on December 27, 1900, this lighthouse stood a little more than 600 feet away from the edge of a cliff on the Jutland Peninsula. The west coast of Jutland is made up of tons of sandy beaches and dunes, which mean that it's especially vulnerable to erosion. Strong winds and powerful waves from the North Sea have been slowly whittling down the coastline, carving off a couple of meters every year. Danish people have been trying to fight this erosion for hundreds of years. You know that dense, spiky grass that grows in tufts on the edge of a lot of beaches? It has these super fibrous roots that help stabilize the dunes, binding the sand down so it doesn't blow off to sea. In the 16th century, a royal decree actually prohibited people from removing plants or allowing their animals to graze in these coastal areas to preserve the grass. Eventually, the Danish government went a step further and they actually started adding more plants, all in the hopes of slowing down erosion. And they might have slowed it down a little, but it's not like you can fully stop or prevent erosion. Around here, the coast loses nearly five feet every single year. And if the ground falling out from below wasn't bad enough, the strong winds also cause roving sand dunes. All those trees and bushes that the government had planted got swallowed up. The dunes themselves got so big that they could even smother small buildings. In the 1950s, huge amounts of sand were carted off from this area, but the coastal winds soon brought more and more. The sand kept piling up and up and up. At one point, a dune between the tower and the sea reached a height of nearly 100 feet, blocking the lighthouse's beacon from even reaching the sea. Keepers' houses collapsed and were buried by the sand, and the lighthouse fell out of use. In 1968, its beacon was extinguished for good. Over the years, the ground beneath Rebiagnuta continued to erode, and in 2016, the lighthouse reopened for one last hurrah before its seemingly inevitable demise. At the top of the tower, the lighthouse's beacon was replaced with a massive kaleidoscope that reflected pieces of the surrounding Jutland coast. And the response was overwhelming. The defunct lighthouse was bringing in hundreds of thousands of visitors. With so many fans, the local government could not just let Ruby Agnuda topple into the depths below. And so they started looking for a way to save it. But they didn't have much time. By 2019, the lighthouse was just 20 feet from the edge of the cliff. They considered dismantling the structure and rebuilding it brick by brick, or hoisting it with cranes to a safe location. But a local mason named Kjeld Peterson pitched a different idea. Put that lighthouse on roller skates and wheel it further inland. He had done it before with a historical building in a nearby town. That building was a lot smaller than the lighthouse, but still, Peterson was convinced that it would work. Preparations began. 
The base of the tower was reinforced and workers dug a trench for the tracks that the skates would roll along. I've been calling them roller skates, but they're not actually like anything you'd put on your feet. The skates are these big yellow blocks fitted with wide black wheels. There are eight of the skates, four on each set of tracks, all attached to a bunch of thick steel beams that had been put into the base of the tower. It took 16 hydraulic jacks to raise the building just eight centimeters, high enough to get it onto the skates. Early in the morning on October 22nd, the move began very, very carefully, at a pace of about 26 feet per hour. I'm looking at a time lapse of the move right now. If you'd like to see it, it's amazing, and we've dropped a link in the show notes. It's incredible to watch this massive tower inch along just a few feet at a time. The entire move is carefully supervised, and the sand blowing in between the tracks is constantly being smoothed out to allow the lighthouse to creep along. It took six hours for the lighthouse to reach its new home, just 230 feet further inland. That big move is expected to buy Rubignuda another 40 years or so. If you add in the threat of rising sea levels, it might be even less than that. You know, it's funny. Ships no longer rely on lighthouses to navigate the choppy coastal waters. And it's not like this old tower is anybody's home. But still, people went to great lengths and spared no expense to fight the natural forces that are drawing Rubiagnuda towards the sea. It may not be the biggest or the oldest or necessarily the most spectacular lighthouse in the world, but it's still worth saving, even if it's not forever. As always, an enormous thank you to Jonathan Carey and Michelle Cassidy for sharing the stories behind moving these enormous structures. These are two examples of many of the stories found in Atlas Obscura. Uh, If you are curious to find more, go ahead and go to atlasobscura.com. There are so many big things there. Go have a look around. Uh, We also put a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you next time. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder-Arnold. Sarah Wyman. Baudelaire Seuss. Devin DeComo. Chika Okoye. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by... Manolo Morales. And mixed by... Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, 
Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.